Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Well, well, after a while, it's been a it's been a real long while, and now finally, yes, yes, we are back. This is indeed Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Sorry we've been gone for so long, and in case you've forgotten, or maybe this is your first jumping on point, I want to welcome you to this exploration of the classic PBS kids show, Arthur. My name is Will Young. I was With gonna me, ask, as always. I was going to ask, <laughs> who, who are you? Who is this person I'm talking to? It's been so long, I've already forgotten. Well, that's right. My name is Will Young, and with me is my co-host, who is freshly moved into a new job and really uh, living that adult life. It's Lucas Mancini. Hey, Lucas. Hey, how you doing? We're really over the ocean and across the water here. This is some high-tech stuff. Yeah, we're about an hour away from each other right now. And even then, that's going to change pretty soon, too. But for right now, I'm very glad that we have been able to get back together. Now, things sound a little different. Uh, well, our setup is very, very different uh, than we were used to. It's uh, Well, it's what we can do. Lucas, I think you sound pretty good on your end. I'm pretty happy with how I sound. So I think it's high time we get back into Arthur. Now, I, I want to ask you, uh, when you were watching the episode and taking notes... How much did you miss watching Arthur? Well, not only the first thing that jumped out at me was of all the episodes to make a big return with, this is one hell of an episode, (laughs) Uh, both of them. And so I really realized like, oh, I really like doing this. It's a big part of my week. It gets me in a certain state of mind and I could not have picked a better episode to return with. I absolutely agree. I can't wait to talk about this one. Now, we have an email that I would like to get to uh, before we get into uh, both of these stories. This one comes to us from, just want to make sure I have the name right, Kelsey. This one's from Kelsey. She, she says, hey, Lucas. Now, I guess this is kind of more addressed to you than, uh, than to me. Hey, Kelsey, I'm happy to help. Hey, Lucas. Hopefully you guys get this. My name is Kelsey. I've been watching Arthur since I was five years old. I'm now an adult and still watch the show. I came upon your podcast and was wondering if you would ever do an Arthur Discord since there isn't one. She also lists her top five favorite Arthur episodes. A couple of these we have not gotten to yet. In fact, most of them we haven't. The only one that we've gotten to so far is Arthur's Substitute Teacher, which is right at the top of the list, which is a good choice. Uh, Kelsey, thank you for your email. Lucas, do you have any experience with uh, Discord? No, a good friend of mine runs a fairly popular Discord, the NitroRad Discord, but I don't actually, I've never used it myself. I know it's big in the video game community, so... Hmm. Silent friend of the show and uh, and uh, the one who made us our podcast cover art, Nitro Rad. You know, we should think about having him on sometime soon. Mm, that's quite a good idea. Now, I'm curious. I'm curious. What's Kelsey's other four favorites? Do you have them in front of you? 
I sure do. Uh, so, Kelsey, after Arthur Substitute Teacher, uh, the second one is called The Buster Report, which if that episode is not about Buster having his own InfoWars show, I'm going to be <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It's too perfect. The Buster Report. Now we know what it's called. <laughs> the No Spin Zone. Uh, number three is Mr. Ratburn's Secret Identity, which doesn't really ring a bell to me. Hmm. Uh, number four is Lend Me Your Ear. And number five is A Thousand and One Dads, which is another Buster-centric episode. Is Mr. Rapper in Secret Identity like the first Mr. Rapper in episode where he's like a vampire? No, that was, uh, I, I think that was just Arthur's teacher trouble. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, so uh, I can't, I'll be very interested to get to those eventually. Thank you for your email, Kelsey. It was very nice to uh, correspond with uh, everyone. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be getting to that very, very soon. All right, speaking of getting to things, let's get into it. Today's episodes start off with Buster Baxter Cat Saver. Now, I kind of thought that this one was going to be a little bit wild, a little bit out there, but I don't even think I could have predicted just how much and right away, you immediately can tell something's off because we open with, like all great Arthur episodes, a horrific plane crash, <laughs> which like it it looks so bad. Like presumably there's no casualties because everyone seems pretty happy go lucky afterwards. But this plane is totaled and it's in like the mountains. It, I thought this was the movie of uh, the Arthur take on the movie Alive before I was say Bionic Alive. Bunny showed up. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's crazy, and uh, these people are stranded here on this mountain pass after their airplane has crashed, and you're like, where in the world is this going? But it's uh, a Bionic Bunny episode that Arthur is currently watching, and in this cold open, Arthur uses this as a segue to tie into real heroes. So, you know, Bionic Bunny is the greatest hero there is, except he isn't real. And then Arthur mentions, you know, shout out to uh, our everyday heroes, like firefighters, uh, the Elwood City Firefighters saving people when the sponge factory caught on fire. Oh, I didn't even notice it was the sponge factory. I don't even... The, I guess that would be pretty flammable when you think about it. Like a dry sponge? That would really go up. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of jobs lost to that old sponge factory. <laughs> uh, paramedics who get people to the hospital real fast. And the greatest hero of them all, Buster Baxter, which looks like Arthur was reading that off a teleprompter and didn't <laughs> know that was coming because he seems very surprised after he reads it. It's a real Buster Baxter? I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, we start off the episode proper with something that we have been waiting for for a very long time. I'm so, gl I'm so glad you noticed this because I, was, I wrote down, now, is this the debut of the ice cream with the chicken leg coming out of it? Because I have this vivid image in my mind of, like, ice cream with a chicken's foot sticking out of it. And I could have sworn we had seen it in a previous episode because I remember talking about it before. But was that just from memory? This is the debut? I think so. I, I think all of the other ones were just kind of uh, a little less disgusting than this. So it's Arthur and Buster at the Brains Mom's ice cream shop, and uh, he is trying out the new flavors, which Ar Arthur says is very brave. And we indeed get the one that has like a chicken talon coming out of it, and it's called Chocolate Chicken Crunch. Arthur uh, asks, he goes, what's the crunch? And Buster says, I don't care. And then he just like deep, th deep throats the rest of it. It's wild. And then uh, Bust, uh, Brain's mom offers him a couple of new uh, uh, flavors. And I mean, chocolate chicken crunch, not exactly appealing, especially with the way that it looks. The next one is peppermint pasta. Which, what's interesting about this is that the pasta itself seems peppermint flavored. Because it's unlike ice cream, 
it looks like a bunch of blue spaghetti on a cone. Hmm. Which is unique in its own self. And now if this was like, here's my theory behind peppermint pasta, right? Like if you've heard of like a dessert pizza, right? Yes. And a dessert pizza is not like a regular pizza. It doesn't have any savory stuff on it. It's literally like dough and then like maybe some ice cream or or stuff. Or, that, or in the case, or in the case of Dairy Queen, like the Treatsa pizza, it's more of like a symbolic pizza. It's the uh, it's the uh, the the form of a pizza rather than the you know the meaning of it. Exactly. If you, if you, you know what I'm saying? If, yeah. <laughs> if so, if this peppermint spaghetti is literally spaghetti in name and nothing else, name and shape. And so it's just like spaghetti-shaped peppermint. Then not so bad, says I. Yeah, that one's. I mean, I think of the three, that one's maybe the most agreeable. <laughs> I I'm was not... gonna ask. I was gonna ask you which one you wanted of the three because I think my answer is different. Uh, okay. Which one do I want? I'm not sure. Which one would you be? I'm not really into. Which one would you be mo- uh, most likely to try? Like, if I had a gun to your head and you had to have one, which one would you pick? Probably uh, chocolate chicken crunch. Oh, Ugh, that's like my least favorite. Well, get to the third one because that's mine. Oh, really? Yeah. See, that one, I don't, I'm not really sure about because the third one is Rocky Trout. And it's kind of looks like a chocolate-based ice cream. The only thing that's kind of taken me away from Rocky Trout, because, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of fish. I like fish sticks, which are a big part of this one. But there seems to be, like, a fin in there, oh, which it's... is, like, the least edible part of the fish aside from, like, the eyeball. I didn't know. I didn't notice the fin. I was just thinking about how, like, okay, some people put French fries in a chocolate milkshake, fish sticks mm. stuck into chocolate ice cream. That's not too crazy. But a fin really <laughs> takes it up a notch. So Buster and Arthur walking down the street. Uh, Buster is uh, made off with his Rocky Trout, which, by the way, his third ice cream cone of the day. That's uh, that's a little uh, a little insane, if you ask me. Buster's don't bone density's off the charts with all the dairy he's getting. <laughs> or he's uh, much closer to juvenile diabetes with all the sugar he's ingesting. <laughs> Either way, it's going to be extreme. It's a it's a real glass half full, half empty situation. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you can tell which kind of spectrum you and I lie on with just that, uh, just that exchange there. Uh, Buster sees a cat in a tree. A woman has a ladder next to a tree, and her cat is stuck in it. Cat's name is Alphonse, and uh, Buster has a. It seems that the Rocky Trout ice cream is very pungent because the cat uh, uh, kind of smells it from the tree and then kind of runs down and jumps into Buster's arms. So uh, the woman proclaims him a hero. She does indeed. Um, and I think the reason, I mean, I just dawned on me now that it's the fish ice cream that attracted the cat. Like, the fact that it was, had, this whole episode could have been different had he got the chicken ice cream last. Yeah, who knows? Or, you know, I don't think cats really go for pasta all that much. Uh, and pasta doesn't have much of a smell either. Unless they're Garfield. So she... Unless they're Garfield. That's true. Oh, oh, okay. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> this woman takes Buster immediately to his mother, who now we see is the editor of the Elwood City newspaper. So this is where we get into that aspect of Bitsy's character. You know, we kind of complained in the first season that she was the stereotypical, like, worrying mother. And now it seems that she actually does have a job. She has a role. She is the newspaper editor. She's like the, the J. Jonah Jameson of Elwood City. We did get a little bit of Betsy uh, being the newspaper editor, I think, in the episode where, uh, is it Sue Ellen who moves to town and she wants to do a story on the new people? Oh, yeah, that's right, actually. Good memory. Uh, And uh, in the camping episode, uh, 
Arthur's mom calls her at the newspaper. So, okay, good, good point. Uh, but I feel like this was kind of the setup for it because uh, this woman says, you know, her, your son is a hero. And then Bitsy immediately calls to stop the presses, which to, uh, for me, stopping the presses, that used to be something that you could just say and it would happen. But the Simpsons actually ruined that for me because there's a there's a bit in an episode where Homer becomes a food critic and he's like, stop the presses. And this, the newspaper machine like grinds to a halt. And then <laughs> he puts his review on it just like, okay, start the presses. That takes four hours. So it's just... Does I, it's not the quick and clean uh, process that we see here. I don't think you're getting Buster on the front page same day that it happens. I also want to point out that this goes to show it's not what you do it's who you know this is really nepotism <laughs> at its finest like had buster saved a cat and did not have the edit main editor of the newspaper for a mother this would not have left like this would not be the headline story that it became uh so it's really all networking if you want to become famous for your heroism take notes Absolutely. I wrote here in all caps, nepotism under this. So we, were on, we were definitely thinking the same thing. We cut back to Arthur's house, and this was actually very interesting. Now, I didn't know what the second half of this, the second story in this episode was. So I thought that we were setting up the appearance of the song Crazy Bus, like episodes before it was happening. But all the same, this is a very interesting setup to something that we'll be dealing with later in the episode by we hear DW dancing to the song crazy bus i had really similar feelings of confusion as well like i for a second i was like wait a minute like i remember crazy bus being this huge big reveal and it's just a subplot in this episode uh how i was surprised later on (laughs) uh so crazy bus i i mean i won't we don't want to get right into it just now but from the outset you can kind of tell it's like one of those almost stereotypical annoying kid songs from, you know, a TV show or a movie or something. One of those dumb things that gets popular that kids really love. I was trying to think if there were any other, like, awful kid songs from, like, your childhood or mine that really stuck out to you. Like, maybe, you know, Barney, I Love You, You Love Me, that kind of thing. Fruit Salad by the Wiggles. Okay. Fruit Salad, Yummy Yummy. Yummy, 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 fruit salad. I've never heard of that one. Oh, it slaps. I'll tell you this much. So when Arthur comes in, he's getting all mad at DW uh, for playing Crazy Bus. And I this is like a meme waiting to happen. All you need to do is take out the audio of Crazy Bus and put in like any sort of mumble rap and have like Arthur be like, he's not even saying words. And it fits too perfect. Like just drop in uh, Exo Tour Life by Lil Uzi Vert. And this is just some meme gold. Yeah, there's got to be one of them out there that said something close to Balooey or Bussalooey. Exactly. And you can just edit in. It, there's There has to be at this point. Or just a clip of Offset going, I le- got left off as a boozy. Who said I got left off as a boozy? And uh, <laughs> DJ Academics going, what? Huh? Who said I got left off as a boozy? What? Come again? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Arthur sees Buster on the front page of the, I guess, the afternoon edition of the Elwood City Times, or I believe it's called the Elwood City Times, and, uh, he is super excited for his best friend. I thought this was really cute. He's just running around to all of his family going like, Buster's a hero! And he's, like, genuinely excited for him. I thought that was really cool. 
So the next little bit that we get is Buster's brush with fame about how he is slowly but surely getting more and more momentum around the town uh, and more buzz uh, as his story kind of circles around. So, of course, people are asking him about it at school. At first, his reaction is that it's not really that big of a deal. But then he gets more stuff, like he has an assembly where he's asked to speak. People are spotting him on the street and, like, cheering. And then we get into some some real some real stuff so first of all what do you make well before before all this i want to point out it's now a running joke that binky wants autographs from famous people because there's a moment where uh binky asks if buster really did save the cat and this is when buster's still sort of humble about it and binky's like i guess you're some sort of hero and buster's like "I, i guess i am and binky immediately is like can i have your autograph and i thought back about when binky met mr rogers that's the first thing he wanted as well Right, and he asked Arthur for his autograph when he, uh, uh, I th- I, I, when he found out that Mister Rogers stayed at his house. You're right; that's a that's a very good pull. Uh, I guess Binky's easily starstruck. <laughs> what do you make of Buster's initial like? So you know, kind of being asked about it at school, being spot on the street, and having like an assembly. Do you think that that's appropriate for someone who kind of did relatively little, but let's say something notable? Well, it's already it's already good press, right? So the school's capitalizing on the positive press. I remember when I was a little kid, I won a stand-up comedy competition, and this involved comedian, Canadian comedian Sean Majumder coming to my class as part of the uh, prize, uh, and like the whole school made a big deal about that. So when it's elementary school and anything makes the newspaper, it's pretty much fair game for an assembly. Do you have that newspaper cliffing still? That's amazing. I didn't know uh, that you won a stand-up comedy competition (laughs) i do not have that newspaper clipping if you do some google foo you could find a video of me performing at the rebecca cone just for laughs that was the other part of the prize is that you actually got to perform as a part of the real life just for laughs i am the famously the youngest person to ever perform comedy on that stage i think but i would recommend you don't look that up because it's terrible it's really like a lot of humor when it's not a cute little kid saying it in uh retrospect it's not that funny so uh (laughs) i would not recommend you go dig that up but hey if you're curious it's out there somewhere this is crazy. This is your brush with popularity. That's amazing. You even have like a record for our hometown. That's so cool. Everybody's got their everybody's got their 15 minutes of fame. Everybody's got their 15 minutes of frame. Right. Man, that is so cool. I, I mean, maybe it doesn't seem like that to you right now, but I'm I'm impressed. That's I I'll, I'm going to have to look that up later. Did you have like a did you have a type 5? Did you have a type 10? What was it? How long did they give well, you? Well, here, I'll give you a little This is the only joke I remember. So, keep in mind yeah. the year this would have been. I would have been around 11. Penguins were big. March of the Penguins just came out. Surf's Up Happy was Feet. big. Happy Feet was on the horizon. So, there's a lot of penguin humor going around. So, I was <laughs> talking about I was like, here, I'll, I'll get the character. Well, you ever see March of the Penguins? No, no, I never have. Oh, see, in March of the Penguins, these penguins, uh, the male penguins, they uh, wait in the cold while their wives go to get food for hours and hours on end. Uh, Days, even months, uh, the female penguins go without food, marching to go get it. The male penguins stand in the colds trying to keep the babies warm. Got me thinking, Will, do you think uh, Mama Penguin ever turns to a daddy penguin and goes, you know what, I don't think we're going to have kids this year. (laughs) <laughs> that's okay like i can see that i can see that working 
I can see I, that working. I, I cannot stress enough how big penguins were at the time. I understand. I lived. I lived through that as well. But uh, that's a good bit of context. All right. I can't. I can't wait to look this up later. I really hope I find something. <laughs> Okay, back, back to this after that brush with f- our own fame here. Lucas Mancini on the cover of the paper, except <laughs> as a stand-up comedian instead of Cat Saver. Okay, so then we get into what I think is like the second stage of fame, and this is where it starts to get really concerning. So Arthur and Buster are walking down the street, and this girl who's one of the background characters of their class, who's she's like a, a lamb or some such, she's eating a popsicle that is in the shape of Buster's head, and she says, I just love Buster Sickles. Now we're getting into merchandising. Like, I didn't see this at all. This is crazy. Buster's really going to, like, the New Day school of popularity. But it all seems like, this seems like a surprise to him. So my concern is that nobody, this is not licensed. Buster's not seeing kickbacks from this. Somebody's Mm. just taking his likeness and profiting off of it. Much like Lil Yachty, Buster doesn't know if he's got a 360 deal. He doesn't know what's going on in his contract. Uh, He's just got people making money off his name, and he's not seeing any of the dividends. Buster needs a money... He needs a manager at this point. This is is crazy. He's sitting on a gold mine with these Buster sickles. Uh, He's also... uh, There's also a restaurant that has a banner that says Buster Eats Here, which I thought was funny. (laughs) And uh, he's also just getting rewards from people. Like, a dude just straight up gives him, like, a Polaroid camera. Yeah, this is like the... You know how they always say, uh, eventually, once once you don't need free stuff, that's when you start getting all the free stuff? The rich (laughs) just keep getting richer, man. Like, Buster's gonna get, like, (laughs) boxes of his favorite Nikes in the mail and all that stuff. It's like YouTube influencers. How YouTube influencers are always (laughs) like, oh, I got the Kylie Jenner lip kit in all these colors. Like, woo, it's good to be me. That's Buster right now. Yeah, he's getting, like, hoverboards and flat tummy tea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's getting, like, (laughs) flat tummy tea. That's such a good pull. He's getting a bunch of fidget spinners as well. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, That's a good, that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, The next scene is an Arthur meme alert because Buster comes into class followed by photographers. He's got, like, this cool brown suede jacket on he's and he's got like sunglasses that are halfway down his nose and i've definitely seen you know the picture where uh buster kind of comes up to the desks he pulls his sunglasses down is talking to arthur and francine uh definitely seen that in meme form before it's like a buster version of the cover of risky business yeah, a little bit, like ex- except the, the sunglasses are a little different. It reminded me, uh, not exactly, but it was so, kind of similar to the look of. Uh, you ever read or you ever read like Transmetropolitan, the uh, the comic series? I, I'm familiar with it, but I've never read it myself. Okay, the character Spider Jerusalem kind of reminded, <laughs> reminded me of that with the with the uh, glasses down half the way. So at this point, fame is starting to get to Buster's head, uh, and the next scene is like him talking in like an audio interview about you know he's definitely embellishing like the helicopter lowered me towards the kitty like he's really starting to you know puff himself up now i and i this is a great line from binky here uh francine says i'm getting pretty tired of hearing about this cat story binky says not me it's always different (laughs) which is a good line i'm my question is like the the news cycle in Elwood City, this is another uh, example of Arthur playing Nostradamus and mm. people not trusting mainstream news. 
I would not trust the news organizations of Elwood City if they couldn't do basic fact-checking to realize that, like, Buster is blatantly lying at this point. Like, they have previous first-hand accounts of how this story went. Why they would believe that there is a helicopter is anyone's guess. That's good. I hadn't considered that. I do have a modern parallel for this, but I think I'll get into that when we talk about the episode at large. Um, I did have a question of my own, though. Uh, at this point, I wonder who is really responsible for kind of, you know, the the build the building up and the downfall of Buster, as we see in this episode. Now, who's who is responsible? Is it Buster, who is a a, a child who is getting all of this attention and is clearly letting it go to his head, or is it the townspeople who are continually <laughs> puffing him puffing him up to a sycophantic degree? Like, so I'm kind of trying to figure out, like, who's at fault here? Do you have any well, ideas? Well, Buster's really embracing it, but this really is a case of what came first, the memes or the Ken Bone, you know what I mean? Uh, right. Like, Buster wouldn't be famous without the townspeople, but you could tell he's letting it go to his head to the nth degree with this next scene where he literally cuts in line like he's a famous person getting it. Again, the YouTube uh, influencer analogy is all too real because he's like cutting the velvet rope uh, like a real famous person would. And let's bust, let's Arthur in alongside him. Arthur's like, I think people are mad at us for cutting in line. Buster's like, I'm a hero. Yeah, and uh, it's it's yeah. The next thing Buster's gonna review, he's gonna get an early copy of uh, Skyrim HD for the PS4 that he gets to <laughs> review because he's such good friends with them. Yeah, exactly. In fact, they cut the line at a movie called Spooky Night Three: The Fluffy Bears. So this is kind of like the how the the house equivalent of uh, if you know the house movies one to four of uh, Elwood City, I guess. But yeah, they get to cut in line for this uh, horror sequel, and Buster does indeed say heroes always get cuts, <laughs> which you know not necessarily true. But we're starting to we're start really starting the we're starting the peak, and we're going into the downfall here. Uh, still a lot of crazy bus. Uh, they're talking in the treehouse, Francine, Brain, and Arthur about how. Or sorry, I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, we're uh, like I say, we're still getting a lot of uh, crazy bus again, kind of setting it up. DW is constantly playing it on her stereo. At this point, Arthur needs to go talk to Buster one on one to kind of let him know that he's people are getting annoyed with him. And then we get man. Every once in a while, we get gifted with one of these like r extended segments of these episodes that are just. I, 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 I'm watching it. I'm like, this is going to be such a treat to talk about. It's Buster's script for the first episode of his cartoon or his TV series, Cat Saver. Now, before this moment, I think our all-time favorite, like, just moment by itself, kind of not a non sequitur, but aside in Arthur, was the uh, flashback, the fake history of the rapper and siblings. Yes. Uh, but I think this dwarfs that. This was so incredible on so many levels. <laughs> like, it's not just a superhero intro parody, which it is. It's a very good one. And the way the jingle uh, parodies, like, the intros to cartoons at the time is super on point. But there's lots of weird details to it as well. Uh, we might as well get into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I could say that I like it more than the Ratburn family history. But it's of that sort of 
quality and it's definitely definitely arguable i'd have to really think about it a bit more but let's yeah so cat saver is i i, I want to say buster's cartoon show then we get into this weird question of like well arthur's a cartoon is this a cartoon or is it meant to be real whatever it's a it's a tv show uh where buster is um, he has this kind of like mansion, kind of like the Baxter building of the Fantastic Four or Avengers Tower or what have you. And he gets messages from people who need their cats to be saved. So he has this giant video screen. And I'll, I'll just briefly say the animation here, or at least the background animation, looks very similar to, I thought it was kind of like, you know, a little another takeoff on like DC cartoons of the time, like Batman and mm. Superman. I also thought it kind of may maybe looked like a bit of the works of Gendy Tartakovsky, especially oh. especially because the v the view screen, the woman on the view screen saying like "Cat Saver, can you rescue my car?" It reminded me of uh, Dial M for Monkey, the uh, the segment of Dexter's Lab, uh, if you remember that. Yeah, it, it's it's got that kind of almost like German expressionist background painting, very angular vibe. Uh, mm. Bat Batman the Animated Series, uh, or uh, if you've ever watched Darkwing Duck, which is going for a very similar thing. It reminded yeah. me that of, of that as well. Uh, Buster putting his, is, is playing himself, essentially, because he's dressed in his same clothes, but he's putting on the hero voice of, like, Why, yes, I can! There's no job to be, like, that kind of thing. And so this woman wants her car uh, saved, which is stuck in a tree. So, again, this is kind of, you know, stretching the bonds of Buster Baxter cat saver as far as it'll go. Um, we get this amazing transformation sequence where Buster jumps into a giant tuba because of course he is a tuba player it took me a second i was like what is a tuba doing there and he becomes this like incredible tall muscle bound that's superhero right so buster stereotype. is like small and the tuba's giant and buster jumps into the tuba there's a puff of smoke the tuba's gone and now buster is the same height as the tuba used to be and mm. he's very muscular all the while this amazing jingle plays uh did you write down the lyrics because i did Yes, uh, so it's I, I I won't I won't sing it. I don't know how how well yeah. it'll come across on my microphone. So they they list they list the things that Cat Saver can save, which include a cat, your mother, or the universe. So that's pretty much everything when you get down to it. Uh, and also they list the things uh, Cat Saver is a, able to do, uh, yep. which includes get stuff down from trees. And that's about it. Like, they, <laughs> like the second verse is can get stuff down from trees, cat saver, and 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 then it just keeps going. So the so the woman that he was on the video screen with, uh, turns out to be one of the main villains of the show. She takes off her mask. She was originally like uh, I don't know a bear or something, and turns out she's a rat. And so she's the typical uh, vil witchy villain of just like yeah. She's literally she's literally just doing a Rita Repulsa impression. Absolutely. Like, Cat Saver's on his way. And so she calls, this is, this was always, this transfixed me as a child, this part where she calls in her associates and we see like the rogues gallery of the Cat Saver expanded universe. So there's Strong Guy, who is a, uh, you know, just kind of muscle bound heavy. And That's right. I'll not mention, too, not too weird. Not too crazy. I'll mention here that there is a character named Strong Guy in the comic book series X-Factor which is great, and you should read it. Uh, then there's Ghost Doe, which is a just a ghost of a Disney-looking uh, deer. It looks like it looks like Bambi, Bam kind of. Bambi's mom, 
coming yes. back for some revenge. Bambi's mom's back with a vengeance. And then the third one, which is the most outrageous, is is called Trafe. And it's a giant uh, ham with a bone sticking out of it. And it has legs and sneakers on. <laughs> no face. It's just a walking ham with does no it have arms. A, does it, it doesn't have any arms either? No, it doesn't. It's no. just a pair of legs? Yep. And then, again, the Power Rangers example continues because Trafe looks like something out of like one of those Sentai TV shows where it's just like an everyday object but a monster. I was thinking it kind of reminded me of uh, the villains from like Freakazoid or The Tick. But, I mean, in the, in that sense, they those uh, are supposed to be funny. Like in The Tick, you get like Chairface Chippendale. Mm. Uh, so that was kind of the same level of uh, villainy that I was thinking of. So Cat Saver... Uh, bursts into her lair and then realizes it's a trap. And then Cat Saver takes a moment to break the fourth wall and address the kids watching the show. And he says, kids, hitting and punching people is wrong. But that's not a person. It's a big ham. And then he, like, <laughs> grapples with it as Buster's uh, <laughs> his, his dream sequence ends. There's never been a moment in Arthur that I've more wanted to see the writing room and the process of them being like, <laughs> okay, so he's got to fight. I wonder, like, how they came to the conclusion of this scene. Like, did they come up with the idea of Arth uh, Buster's got to fight something? Yeah. But we we can't be endorsing violence on this show. So yes. what's something that it'd be okay for him to fight? Okay, what if we made him fight a big ham? We should still let him preface it by saying you shouldn't hurt people. But if you have to fight a ham with legs, uh, pound away. I, I imagine that you're right in that, like, they can't really, their hands are pretty tied when it comes to showing, you know, violence or anything of that sort. But I think they did it in such a cool way where they're clearly making fun of it. And we'll get into that in a second. So, you know, Buster's wrapped up in his imagination. And then Arthur just says, you know, people are getting really annoyed with you. You better knock it off. Then we cut to the treehouse where Francine, Brain, and Arthur are. And Buster's kind of relaying how the rest of that meeting went where, you know, Buster wouldn't listen to him. He just kept kicking and punching. And I love this line. Arthur said, then he said his show would be edutainment. And they all just, they all just go, ugh. So I think that that was a really funny way to kind of uh, hang, hang a hat, like lampshade the uh, way that, you know, PBS has to be of, you know, they can't show violence or anything like that, but also the inherent lameness of a show that is like, you know, hitting and punching people is wrong while also having violence. It was kind of a shot at, you know, shows like Power Rangers at the time, you know, another Power Rangers comparison where they had to have the thing after every episode that was like, you know, we, you know, we don't use our martial arts for attack, only for defense. And like, you know, you should never pick fights with people and all that kind of thing. And I thought it was a, just a great, a great piss take out of all of those that... um uh, that uh, style of the 90s of children's programming. But it's also really funny, too, because Arthur is technically edutainment, like almost right. all programs on PBS is. So it's a very meta joke to make, but it also goes to show the quality of Arthur compared to some more overt shows and that you don't really notice that it's educational. Absolutely. So I, th I think that whole sequence, like you said, was was great. And uh, I'm <laughs> was really excited to talk about it. Uh, at one point in the episode, Buster asked Brain to do his homework for him because he's a hero. And I guess Brain agreed uh, for some reason. And then Brain realizes that, you know, the Buster didn't really save the cat. It just kind of jumped into his arms. So they're, 
they're doubling down on their idea. They want to show Buster as kind of a fraud in order to expose him and to get him to see the light. So their plan involves Brain making a robotic cat that he puts in a tree that can realistically meow, and then it's kind of setting it up so Buster's walking down the street with reporters in tow, of course, because, I mean, it must be a real slow news week. Best line of the episode right here is we we uh, catch the Buster having a conversation with the reporters, yes. and he says, I'll still save the occasional cat, of course, but my future is in TV. <laughs> but uh, Buster gets some fantastic lines in here. I love that he we get to see what his character is like when he gets the teeniest, tiniest bit of fame, and it's so funny, but it's also so real. I mean, uh, I, if they're already making... Uh, ice like ice pops of buster's face he might as well get Absolutely. some of that money himself uh, so the so francine and arthur alert buster that there's a cat in a tree and then the newspaper people get really excited uh they start taking pictures of him buster kind of looking at the tree just like no flash pictures please i need to uh concentrate <laughs> so he's just he, there's nothing that he can do because he got lucky the first time and the, he just, he crumbles, and it's so great the way that uh, his voice actor performs it. Just like him slowly realizing there's nothing he can do, and then just pretty much breaking down in tears. Just like, I don't know what to do. I just got lucky before, and he's just desperate. Uh, a little bit of a wind takes the cat, and uh, it throws it on the ground, and it kind of just explodes in a robotic heap. And Buster realizes they did it just to make him look bad. Arthur and Francine, they take this opportunity to, you know, uh, put the cold truth on Buster. Although I thought Francine w uh, dug a little bit deep here. You know, Arthur saying that, you know, you're annoying everybody with, uh, you know, acting. He uses the phrase acting like a big shot a couple of times. And then Francine follows up with, you never did a single brave thing in your life. Which I thought was cutting a little a little close there. That's a little little mean. But uh, Buster kind of takes it just like, you know, apologizes and says, I'm no hero. And uh, but then all all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Buster looks looks off camera and says, look out, runaway piano and ends up saving Arthur and Francine's lives from a literal runaway piano that is rolling down the street on a, weirdly on like a level street. So I don't know how it's getting all that momentum. Which is, it's not necessarily brave, it's more lucky. Like, had he pushed them out of the way and maybe, like, made a grand gesture to sacrifice himself yeah. to save them from the piano, that'd be more brave. But this really is just, like, oh, he saw a piano right. in his peripheral vision. Uh, so, but then, of course, everybody sees him do that, and they're like, did you see that? He saved those kids! And starts getting his picture taken again, and then the episode... The story of the episode ends with, you know, Arthur being like, here we go again. But that's not where the episode ends itself. We get a second look into Buster's psyche. And this one, I, 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 might, I might like this a little bit more than the first one. I don't know. There, there's, a lot, there's a lot here, once again, to talk about. It cuts to what essentially ends up being a trailer for Buster's new uh, script idea. And, we, and it's the classic 20th century Fox logo, or not the Fox logo, the 20th century art logo that used to precede uh, films, except it's Mr. Ratburn with, like, the torch and the toga. And the slogan says, um, you know, 20th century rat is the production house, and it says rat is art backwards almost. <laughs> I didn't even it's notice really that. Good. That's hilarious. Uh, so in this one, uh, you know, people, it's like a tall-sized skyscraper. People are moving a piano 
on like, you know, one of those rope systems and then just the rope breaks and somebody calls, my piano slipped, look out. And it's like going to be falling on a bunch of people. And then the trailer voice comes in like, when P- when pianos make trouble, he goes to work. And I, I, I was actually reminded of this. Um, I forget what it was that I was watching once, but my girlfriend, um, we were watching, it must've been a cartoon or something. And she said, I remember when I was young, cartoons had me convinced that pianos being hung from large, from like from high places were going to be a problem for all adult life. It's true. Like it's not something you see anymore. I I guess at some point, like us as a species solved the grand uh, problem of how do you get a piano up a high building without having to like hang it over the streets. I will say this though, something that's uh, you immediately notice with this video as opposed to the uh, earlier pilot of Buster's superhero TV show, is that one's like a direct parody of like superhero cartoons, where this one immediately gets like the big budget blockbuster vibe. It, it totally feels like a high budget adaptation of a superhero story as opposed to like a, a, a cartoon show. And it's in the little details, like the way the trailer's set up with the logo in front, the music. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So this is for a project that's called Buster Baxter Piano Tamer. And we kind of see him suit up in his Piano Tamer costume, which I thought was super cool. Other than the color scheme, which I thought was a little eh. Uh, so he's got like this Samus helmet, his shoes turn into these rocket shoes, and he's got like a metronome as part of his costume on his back. Like, I just thought that was really cool and like off the wall. And I really appreciated how, uh, original it looked. Yeah. It's, it's very like early Iron Man. Yeah, very much so. Uh, so he, you know, he uses his rocket shoes to, um, to uh, basically boost up the piano and save everybody. There's a shot of him fighting uh, basically piano ships in space that are firing lasers. And uh, (laughs) the trailer line at this point is, anyone can save a cat, but there's only one person who will face a piano. (laughs) And then the final shot is uh, Piano Tamer swimming away from uh, the piano from Mario 64. It's like a piano that looks like a shark and it's like chomping at him. And it just reminded me of that part in the uh, Boo's Haunted Mansion from Super Mario 64 where the uh, piano attacks you. It is really creative the way they find uh, ways to villainize pianos. Yeah. From the shark piano to the spaceship piano. Like, I wonder how long they could... If they had to truly make a feature-length film, what would we see pianos doing? Like... Like is it like the Cars universe where there'd be pianos driving a car? Is it what? How else can pianos be personified? That's a gr- like pianos of prey, like flying ones. I don't know. <laughs> pianos of prey. Uh, and the final line is Buster Baxter piano tamer based on a true story, and it's like Buster. Uh, with his own like backdrop and stuff, and then Arthur kind of comes in and just like, no, we're not making a movie out of this one. And, uh, you know, Buster kind of walks away and is offering, like, how about a CD, a video game, a comic book? And Arthur kind of getting more and more frustrated uh, as the episode ends. I thought that was I thought that was a great way to end it. I thought that was really cool. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. This one was a little bit like the the connection between this episode and the segment was a little tenuous. 
Yeah, it's it's almost as if they like were supposed to write this the this assignment for a pal episode or something, and then they didn't need to, and so they stuck it in with this one because it's literally about write stories about uh, your animal or your pet or a animal, and the only real connection with Buster Baxter Cat Saver is that it's got cat in the title. Yeah. And uh, it's and and to be honest, compared to some of the other ones, it's pretty dry. Like they're not really. It's just them. It's just the kids reading out their stories, and some of them are a little f- funny because it's like their pets doing weird things. So a couple of them were like, you know, my turtle's eating chips in the bathtub, or my cat was barking, or my dog was in love with a pig. Uh, but you know, it wasn't uh, wasn't the most interesting of these segments that I've seen. I'll tell you what, though, there was multiple stories about animals eating food food that they weren't supposed to be eating. So I think there was some wish fulfillment among these kids. Like one per, uh, kid talked about how an animal was eating Oreos in their bed. And another kid talked about how a turtle was eating chips in the bathtub. Uh, so it was a strange common theme among these stories. Absolutely. All right, so we let's move into the second story. Play it again, DW. Now, for all for all of our listeners who you know who watch the episode second, like listen to our episode first and then watch the episode, or are you know get inspired to rewatch the episode after hearing us, I just want to send out a little bit of a content warning for this Arthur episode. If you don't like DW, you're not gonna like this episode. Luckily, I love DW, so I loved this episode. Right. So, like, it 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 didn't bother me, but like, I I've seen opinion online that a lot of people find DW very annoying. And man, this is not the episode to make your case that DW is not annoying. In fact, that's how the cold open of the episode starts with Arthur moping on his bed, talking about uh, times where DW has been super annoying. And well, he only has one example aside from the main one, but it's a lasting one. So it's the one time that DW beat him at checkers and she ended up lording it over him for what we see to be a calendar year. Like we go through the seasons of Arthur's life and DW is still bringing up her checkers victory over him. Uh, I, I liked the first one because, you know, she, you know, she brings it up to his friends at the Sugar Bowl, like, and constantly brings it up while, uh, he's in her company. But the first time that she beats him, I really liked it. It just like, she gets super excited. Just like, yeah, mama in your face, you loser. <laughs> really? I mean, it's, it's, it's very true to life. Uh, as I don't have an older sibling, but I can imagine as someone who like, would lose oh i'll give you an example me and my friend josh play video games all the time and he always beats me except there was one time where i beat him at mario baseball and i held that over his head for years until eventually we both bought another copy of mario baseball and he beat me to get his win back but in the six year period between those two events i never let him forget it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I, under- I understand the uh, the wanting to lure that over. As a younger sibling myself, it's just, uh, it, it gets to be a little old after a while, as uh, sometimes we don't realize. Or we do, and we just keep going. But the most annoying thing that TW has done, in Arthur's opinion, is keep playing that damn Crazy Bus song. So this is the Crazy Bus episode. I wasn't sure, like, from the title of the episode, I didn't know what it was about. And then it all came together of, like, that's why we were setting it up in the last episode. 
this episode, so right away we get to see something or hear something that we've never heard before. It's the start of the Crazy Bus song. Yeah. Uh, usually we join the Crazy Bus song in Medius Res. Uh, and so I was surprised to hear that Crazy Bus starts off with an awesome, like, fake drum solo, like a artificial drum solo. Definitely made by an electric keyboard, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, and, just, and just for... Um... So that we're all on the same page. If you haven't seen the episode, let me just put a little bit of crazy bus here, but only a little bit because I don't want to subject you to more than you need to. Crazy bus, crazy bus, riding on a crazy bus, riding up, riding down, driven by a funny clown, a wacky, goony, goofy, spoony, high as a plane or baloney. Crazy bus, come with us as we ride, 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 ride. It's a crazy bus, not a sh- Okay, so that's kind of what crazy bus sounds like. That's from. Yeah, play that about 50 more times on repeat, and you'll have the experience of this episode. Absolutely. So the episode itself begins with Arthur. He He's made a tally at this point of how much DW has been playing Crazy Bus. And it's like this on a canvas sheet, and he's been just making tally marks, and he counts them out on one day. Uh, in fact, like he wakes up and is like, it's a perfect morning. And then DW starts playing the song, and it immediately ruins his day. Uh, so he counts it up, and it's 532. DW has played Crazy Bus 532 times in a week. Now, do you have a calculator in front of you, Will? Let's do some quick math here. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Let me, uh, let me just use old Google here. So that's, and that's something we can do that we weren't able to do before. Is uh, uh, so use use a computer right in front of us? Okay, so Google. Let's do. Let Let's assume, uh, for a moment that Crazy Bus is three minutes long. Yes. The average song song length. And uh-huh. what was that original number? Five hundred thirty-two. So let's do five hundred thirty-two times three. And that is 1,596. Now divide that by 60. Okay. 26.6. So DW has listened to Crazy Bus for over a day in one week. (laughs) Oh, my word. A little bit over a full day's worth of Crazy Bus. 26 hours. Almost 27. Unbelievable. Um, I don't believe it. Uh, And so immediately when Arthur put out this number and, you know, he's the one that is, you know, climbing the walls. He hates it. He hates it. He hates it. But we really don't get much of an input from mom and dad. And so my question is, how in the world are they this patient with DW playing this song over and over again? Well, is it this episode where uh, Arthur's dad has earplugs in at some point to block out the crazy bus? Or am I thinking of something else entirely? No, he does. He does have it later. Yeah. But but I, like, we don't see mom with that. And and even if you didn't, you kind of have to assume at some point they might be like, all right, why don't, you, why don't you give the crazy bus a rest for a while? Like, that's definitely something that my parents would have done if I were playing a tape over and over again. I just feel like this is uh, one of the examples of Arthur's parents maybe being a little bit too permissive? I don't know. Like, I've heard from the parents I've talked to, uh, they've seen the Frozen movie or the Minions movie or Trolls Trolls movie uh, hundreds of thousands of times. So I think at some point they just don't get a choice. That's true. Uh, And, I mean, you you do hear that a lot about how kids, especially today – 
and with the ease of access to their favorite media, will watch it again and again. Um, I just feel like at this point, there would have to be like some ground rules of like, you know, you have to keep it at a certain volume. Don't play it loud, you know, because eventually they got to do like their taxes. They got to work. So I and I, you know, earplugs can only do so much. I just feel like at this point there would be some limits on the crazy busing going around here. Well, one of Arthur's earlier solutions are already fr- uh, thwarted when he said, what happened to the headphones I gave you? And DW loudly exclaims, they broke. Don't you love this part of the song? And she turns it up. Yeah, and another thing, if you don't like people screaming, then this episode is not going to be great for you either. There is a lot of yelling and hollering and screaming in this episode. Actually, some really impressive voice work. Yes, because to to be able to do a session or several uh, where you're asked to like holler and scream and raise your voice, that's tough. And uh, they do it very, very well. The the thing with um, with dad with the ear with the headphones or excuse excuse me the earplugs is when Arthur's like shooting hoops outside and then DW starts playing it and Arthur says how can you stand it because at this point not only is DW playing the song but then she's playing with the Tibble twins in the sandbox and then the Tibbles just start screaming along with the song like it's at one point they're not even screaming they're not well they're not screaming words at all they're just pretty much yelling crazy 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 over and over again well, the Tibbles, I think the implication is that the Tibbles don't actually know the lyrics because right. they're not really singing along to it. Right. They're just more scr- – like they, they're challenging each other to sing as loud as they can. Uh, <laughs> one of the one, – one of something that's set up very early as a plot point that comes in later on is that um, – mom and dad are looking for a CD that they're bringing to like a graduation party or like a reunion or something. And they finally find it. So we, so the CD they find is 1970 songs. You can't believe you liked. I was curious. I looked up the number one song in 1970. Will, do you know what the number one song in 1970 was? All right. I'm going to have to take a stab in the dark on this one. Uh, I I, I guarantee you're not going to get this right. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it, it's got an Arthur connection, now that I think about it. This song has an Arthur connection, so oh. keep that in mind. Um, okay, so I'm, uh, I'm just going to guess once, and then you can tell me. Uh, Disco Duck. No, it's not Disco Duck, though. That is a very good guess. <laughs> it's actually Bridge Over Troubled Water mm. by Simon and Garfunkel, oh! which, of course, has a Arthur connection later on. Yes, it does. That's so cool. And uh, maybe maybe completely uh, not non-intentional, but good catch. I like that. And and so uh, we eventually go on in the episode to where Arthur is so uh, incensed at DW that he threatens to wreck her CD if she doesn't stop playing it. So which immediately uh, goes to her parents. And again, a lot of a lot of screaming because of course they have to be heard over this song. So I understand the need for it. Just uh, it's it's a lot of screaming, and eventually it did kind of get to me a little bit. I, I got to be honest. When DW sees her parents and like sort of rats Arthur out, she yells back at him. She says, "Mom and Dad say that if you don't that if you wreck my CD, they'll adopt you to another country without TV." I don't know, like. The the performance of Crazy Bus is gone. Uh, I I can see why it gets on your nerves, but it's so over the top. It's there's been a lot of yelling at Arthur so far, 
but I, I this is like the nth degree. Like I'm surprised DW's voice actor's voice isn't cracking because she really is, or he or she really is really howling at the top of their lungs. Absolutely, and we get a, and we get more of that uh, in just in just a bit here. Then DW tortures Arthur even further by saying that she got him tickets to Crazy Bus Live. Which I'm confused because, so is Crazy Bus Live just the song, like the one song over and over and over again? That's my question, is that I'm not sure what Crazy Bus is like promoting. Is it? I'm not sure if it's part of like a kid's show, like a toy or a brand or something. Because there's a couple of points where like you have to wonder... Is Crazy Bus just the song Crazy Bus, or is there more to it? Is it like, you know, Sharon, Lois, and Bram, and that they've got a bunch of different songs? Or, indeed, is it just a performance of Crazy Bus, the song, where it's just that one over and over and over? Maybe Crazy Bus is like Gangnam Style, where it's like this big cultural phenomenon. Right, maybe that's all anybody wants to hear, because all the other Crazy Bus songs are really bad or something. I'm not sure. Uh... So Arthur is, is guilted into it because the whole family had to go to Bionic Bunny on ice. So this is kind of DW's turn. Uh, when they get to the arena, Arthur has like a uh, like a classic carnival barker top hat and an elephant trunk, like a plastic elephant trunk around his face because he doesn't this want. This would it- make a really if you wanted to make a really deep cut Arthur Halloween costume, this would be a great choice. Yeah, that's right. And you just go around saying, "Call me Steve." Uh, which Arthur asks his parents to do because he doesn't want any of his friends, little brothers, or sisters to see him there, which made me think, which of Arthur's friends group has little brothers or sisters? Uh, I guess nobody besides Francine's got an older sister. Yeah. It just seemed like a, it seemed like another Arthur anxiety that maybe wasn't fully thought, thought through, but then you could include some of the background characters in there or something. I don't know. Uh, but Arthur just genuinely doesn't want to be seen there. However, uh, before the show starts, he sees Buster, who is there by himself. He doesn't have a little brother or sister. And he, Buster says, ever since DW started playing it, I'm crazy for Crazy Bus. And he has, like, the whole, like, he has the Crazy Bus helmet on and everything. And he says, come to Which, my Which, uh, the Crazy Bus helmet does not look comfortable. No, not at all. Uh, and he says, come to my house after the show. We can play the CD. And we get a snapshot of Arthur's brain uh, where um, it's every, everybody is on is on the crazy bus. So it's like it's like a fad. Like his, his parents are on there. His, all of his friends are on there with DW and everybody's singing the song. And he's at the back of the bus pounding and screaming to be let out of this bus. It's like a it's like a nightmare that he can't wake up from. It, it, it is, and, like, if you look outside of the bus, like, the environment is very, like, Candyland, like, overly sweet and sugary. It's it's one of those nightmares where he's, like, trapped in a children's cartoon. Absolutely, and it's just uh, he, Arthur just living his life in a slow hell. Uh, so, uh, I got my scenes mixed up a little bit. So after this is the threatening to uh, break her CD and then after that is uh, Arthur just kind of resigning himself to the fact that he's just going to have to hear that song through the walls over and over again. But then he takes a moment and he's like, wait a minute, it's quiet. What's that sound? It's the birds. <laughs> I, loved, I loved that. And it's just like, wow, maybe, maybe DW's finally giving them 
a break. Cut to a cl- extreme close-up shot of DW screaming and screaming and screaming. So she is very upset that her crazy bus CD has been stolen. And you want to talk about good voice work here from DW's voice actor. This is the top, top level of his register. He is pushing mm. his voice to the absolute limit. And it sounds realistic. It's like DW is yelling herself hoarse because she is absolutely uh, upset beyond upset that crazy bus is missing. Yeah, like, DW's done screaming in the, in Arthur episodes before, but it's been more so, like, stage screaming. Like, yeah. a, oh! But this is a real, like, you're almost going hoarse because you're just so bad. She's in hysterics at this point. She's, like, she's, you know, feverous with worry and anxiety. Uh, so, of course, she immediately accuses Arthur, which, to be fair, uh, the evidence is there, so I understand her logic, but Arthur denies up and down that he did not take the CD, but DW does not trust him at all. Uh, at this point, we get a little bit from DW's perspective. There's a, a kind of quick cut of her calling in her mother to her bedroom. She, sh- she says, I can't sleep because I'm forgetting to, I'm forgetting how the song goes, and I'm just like, 532 times in a week. How are you ever going to forget what Crazy Bus sounds like? Well, in DW's defense, there is a lot of nonsense words in there. Yeah, but... And I've I've listened to Bad and Bougie quite a few times, (laughs) but I don't think I could recite it word for word. It's like I said before, takeoff is just really hard to understand. Fair enough. Who said a little little Bad and Bougie? Who said a little Bad and Bougie? I will say that... I'm just putting this out there right now. I'm not doing an amount of times that people say crazy bus in this episode. I would, <laughs> I, I can't do that to myself. I can't allow myself. To, I can't let, let that happen. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Uh, so we cut to the Reed family along with Francine and Buster kind of at like a lake or something, just having like a picnic day. And, uh, you know, Francine's like, you should just give her back the CD. And Arthur's like, I don't have it. And then Buster's That's right. From- it's because DW they're they're in a canoe or something. Yeah. And DW is mean mugging them from the island, <laughs> like the, uh, from the uh, uh, land, and they're in the water. She will not stop looking at them. And Francine goes, Arthur, just give her back the CD. She's creeping me out. Yeah, she's giving me the creeps here. Uh, Buster's idea is that if Arthur didn't take it, then maybe it was taken by. Look at my notes here. An ancient race of squid people who took it to their undersea grotto. And yeah, then, if you're playing the uh, Elwood City Limits uh, bingo game, this would be a Buster non sequitur. Yeah, absolutely. That's got to be on there. And of course, as as we usually do with those ones, actually, we go to the undersea where these squid people are, and they're just like, it's like you got a crazy bus CD. No, but I sure wish I did. And they start singing Crazy Bus is just a little cutaway there. So finally, Mom and Dad are going to their reunion while Arthur and DW are still very much at odds with each other. And uh, Catherine is going to babysit them, which is uh, something that happens a couple times after this. So she's kind of the regular babysitter of Arthur and DW. Um, so they have they kind of sweetly promise that they won't, you know, bother each other. Uh, Arthur is going to the computer to play a CD-ROM, but then DW busts out of a nearby chest uh, trying to catch him in the act. Yeah, they 
eventually we figure out that it is not the crazy bus cd and it is a multimedia cd rom and from the little quarter of the screen we get to see it looks like arthur's playing some sort of like sewer sewer shark clone yeah, or something like that. Speaking of Nitro Rad, we really need him to review this game, Captain Sludge versus Drain Boy, with 3D drain clearing action. Like some sort of tunnel runner, like Tempest or Sewer Shark. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of like Rebel Assault 2, that sort of thing. Uh, so Arthur d still maintaining he did not take the CD. There's a couple of... Uh, shots here where like DW is using a periscope to look at him from behind the corner. There's a great one I loved where Arthur says, comes up to Catherine and he says, DW is haunting me. And then she comes out from behind the couch and she just yells, maybe it's your guilty conscience that's bothering you. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Uh, so finally, uh, and then DW like, clandestinely busts into Arthur's room and wrecks up the place just trying to find crazy bus and finally Catherine thinks of her her sitcom idea to to kind of de-escalate this is to tape off the entire house down like halfway down so that Arthur is on one half and DW is on the other and of course she's... she says this is an example of her Solomon-like wisdom. Yeah. But I do want to point out that this is not the definition of Solomon-like wisdom. Solomon's idea was he was going to offer to cut a baby in half to prove that one person loved the baby more than the other person. She's just kind of putting the house in half. It's not the same thing. Right. No, it really isn't. And you're right. That was uh, that was the wisdom of Solomon cutting cutting the baby down down in half. And it's just like that's not at all what this is. In fact, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty bad idea. Uh, and you know, she even walks away after she does it, and she's like, "Boy, I'm good." And I'm like, "Classic teenage hubris." Because it, but then it, it immediately falls apart. Absolutely, because Arthur reaches for a jacket that's on DW's side, and then she immediately immediately begin a tug of war because it's just like it was on my side. So just like this is immediately falling apart. Falling apart. This is a bad idea. Uh, we get a quick line here about how you know. DW's like, I know you took my crazy bus CD. And Arthur says, I don't have your stupid bus. DW says, it's not stupid bus. It's crazy bus. Stupid bus is a lame puppet show. So now I want to know what stupid bus is. It's maybe it's like that. The, maybe it's like the Harry Potter puppet pals, like parody of crazy yeah, bus, some sort of viral maybe. video. Uh, we quickly cut to mom and dad at their reunion. And they realize that they accidentally, uh, took DWCD, and uh, so instead of the sounds of the seventies, they uh, they get um, they they get the crazy bus. You know, now that I think about it, so uh, Arthur's dad says the songs we danced to in high school, and this is the year nineteen seventy. So let's just suppose for a second that they graduated high school in nineteen seventy. So in nineteen seventy, they would have been let's say eighteen. 17 or 18, Arthur's mom and dad. Uh, so I'm just thinking here, and this episode aired in 1997, I think. So 10, 27, 17 plus 27. Uh, so they're around 44 or 45. They're in their mid-40s, Arthur's mom and dad. That sounds about right. Yep. Just... <laughs> Just something that I literally just thought of now. But yeah, that that that's about right. In fact, they look a little bit young. I would have guessed maybe early 40s or late 30s, maybe. Uh, so there you go. Arthur trivia fact. 
they call DW and let her know that she um, that they took her crazy bus CD, and then she starts taking the tape off. Uh, from the floor, and <laughs> again, if you don't like DW, you're not going to like how this episode resolves. I, I do, so I thought this was kind of funny. You know, she's taking the tape off the floor, and she says, I've I've realized that in that in order to, you know, basically de-escalate a situation, one of the people has to say, stop. So I'm going to be the bigger person and call it off here. And she so she gets to lord that over Arthur a little bit. I thought that was funny. Which is very and- mature of her, like... It's not something you'd expect a kid to do is to, uh, instead of letting Arthur know that she was in the wrong, she's just going to use it to doubt over him. Like, it, it's yeah. it's wise beyond her years. Yeah, it's, and it's and it's very very petty, too, of just like, and, you know, now that she's gotten what she wants, now she can also take the high road because uh, just to make herself look better. And then finally, uh, we get Mom kind of gently chiding her of just like you can enjoy your music but it isn't right to annoy others and dw just kind of like i know i don't even like that cd anymore so again dw didn't really learn a lesson here if you were kind of waiting for you know mom and dad to drop the hammer or something it's not going to happen here in fact she moves on from the crazy bus cd which arthur is happy about you know saying maybe she's growing up but now she's got something completely different to move on to it's crazy bus the motion picture (laughs) <laughs> which we so we get it's like a trailer or an intro to crazy bus the motion picture uh and it's you want to talk about self-aware and meta humor this is it you're right because you know the announcer is just like crazy bus the motion picture two action-packed hours of your favorite song play it again and again and then again so just kind of like yep this is what kids do and DW ends the episode by dancing along to Crazy Bus, the motion picture, which I think is actually better because that's at least confined to one room. It's not like DW taking the stereo around with her wherever she goes. She can only watch that in the living room. I I, I guess it really is a case of pick your poison because she was playing, <laughs> I guess her main area to play the Crazy Bus song was her living room, uh, but it really is, uh, I guess I'm nitpicking at this point. It's, it, it's, it, it, Whatever the next thing that comes along, there's always going to be more crazy bus content for her to consume. At this, like, crazy bus, just like Buster's merchandising, there's going to be crazy bus the musical, crazy bus lunch boxes. And this isn't the last that we see of crazy bus. It'll definitely come back, albeit in not as much of a, a focused form than we see it right here. And that ends that episode. Let's go back to Buster Baxter Cat Saver. Lucas, what did you think of that one? Uh, I loved Buster Baxter Cat Saver. I was maybe this is just uh, being away makes the heart grow fonder. Hmm. But I was like, what a perfect Arthur episode! If you're looking for a moral or something like that in the way the episode wraps up, that's going to kind of disappoint you because it really ends in the same place where it was in the middle, where Buster's sort of full of himself for saving the kids from the piano. But I thought as a self-contained episode, it's funny. Uh, it's really well paced. It just moves. Uh, and again, it's a Buster episode, which always scores points with me. Right. I agree. I really like this episode, too. It's probably one of my favorites of the season so far. Um, I thought that the allusions to kids media, I think that's always great when the Arthur writers do that, uh, especially now as an older viewer. Um 
I liked the premise. I thought that it was a really interesting story that I wanted to kind of keep seeing where it went. I love the diversions into, you know, Buster's imagination. I really thought it was funny. I thought it was genuinely funny, like, how conceited he was getting. And I thought that there actually was kind of a moral to this, but it wasn't it wasn't presented in the same way as, you know, in previous episodes. It was kind of more weaved into the way the episode was told rather than, you know, stuck at the end of the episode. It was like, hey, Buster's acting like a real jerk now that he has fame. Don't don't do that. Like, if, if this happens to you or, you know, you know, make sure you don't, you know, act like a big shot or become too proud or whatever. But other than that, it's, you know, the episodes don't always need a moral. So, and I thought this was a lot of fun. And like you say, it, I haven't watched Arthur for the show for several weeks now, and it was a great episode to return to. Um, D, uh, play it again, DW, I liked, but to a little bit of a lesser degree, I did kind of mention here and there of just like, you know, there's a lot of screaming in this episode and it's very much like if you need to really appreciate who DW is in order to like it, I do. And Lucas, I know you do as well. So, uh, I think we got off in that sense and it, there's, um, I guess there's a little bit less structure to it than, uh, Buster Baxter cat saver. There's not a huge through line. There's not a whole lot of, you know, consequences or anything. But at the same time, I did think it was really funny. I loved seeing Arthur's reactions to just his all his disgust at Crazy Bus. There's a couple of great faces that he pulls in this episode. And it was really it was funny in a sense to see Arthur kind of really going through this awful um personal hell, essentially, of just Crazy Bus never ever escaping. And as much as, you know, I uh, I sympathize with Arthur's anxieties a lot. It is kind of funny to see him suffer to, to, a, to a limited degree. And of course, this is, you know, it's not him physically suffering or anything. It's just him being annoyed to death. So I liked it. Not as much as the first one, uh, but I think that there, that it makes a good companion uh, with the first episode. Uh, I, I, I really agree. I think this episode is that much stronger because it follows Buster Baxter cat saver. Like I thought it was a really cool touch to not really have this be a two parter, but this episode is set up in Buster Baxter cat saver. And I think it's the first example of that, uh, besides like episodes that are straight up just one big two parter. Uh, so I really enjoyed that aspect, and personally, I'm biased, but I love Played Again, DW. I thought DW Shrieks were entertaining as anything, I think she carries the episode, uh, and I just found it comical. Once again, this one doesn't really have a resolution, uh, besides DW watching the Crazy Puzz movie by herself over and over again, but I was along for the ride all the way. All right, so it looks like a positive grade for both Buster Baxter Cat Saver and Play It Again DW, a great pair of stories to return to. Lucas, very glad that we were able to set this up and very glad that we're back to it once again. Uh, you've got a bit of new stuff going on in your life. Just as a quick update, how, how have, you been, uh, have you been doing the last couple of weeks? I've been doing great with the new job. I love back being back in the big city. I will say, though, recording in this room with the windows closed is very difficult today because it's extremely hot. <laughs> and I have sort of this jerry-rigged setup of using a cutting board as a, a lap board for this microphone and my computer also on my lap. So it's very, very warm. I'll say that much. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been sweating a lot, too. The windows are all closed so that I can keep the sound in. And it's very much... I'm... I'm right there with you, my man. 
Uh, well, it's it's really good to hear from you again. I'm glad things are working out. And it, it, the show is definitely going to sound a lot more DIY than it has in the past. You know, we don't have a professional recording studio that we're in anymore at the time. So we're going to be doing this each from our homes over Skype. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm glad that we have an avenue to do it at all. Uh, so now I th it's time for me to get into the plugs. Let's see if I can remember all of them. Uh, there's a few I have to add, actually. Uh, okay, so you can uh, you can like us on Facebook, Elwood City Limits on Facebook. Uh, we really appreciate a like and a review over there. We've gotten some wonderful reviews. Thank you to Jack uh, for his most recent five-star review. Over on Twitter, we are 80 followers deep at ECL Podcast. We'd really love to talk with you over there and give us a follow. On Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. And uh, you can also email us, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Whatever strikes your fancy about Arthur, about the show, if you have any constructive criticism you'd like to send our way, please let us know. But of course, the episodes are going to start sounding different from here on because we're uh, each at our homes, again, instead of in a studio. I will also put this out there for our winner of our little contest that we had about, uh, about a month ago. Uh, don't worry, I haven't forgotten about you yet. Um, it actually escapes me right now uh, who was the winner of that contest, but I've not forgotten about that. I will be collecting uh, some some Nova Scotia things and uh, ho hopefully an Arthur-related thing or two over the next month, and I'm hoping to send that to you before the summer is over. So apologies, it's been late. We've just been kind of dealing with some change here. Finally, three ways that you can listen to the podcast. First off, soundcloud.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, find us there. And of course, if you could leave a rating and review, we'd really appreciate it. And finally, just announced recently, and I want to uh, uh, thank a certain someone who uh, kind of alerted me to this. That I've always, I always encourage that if there is a podcast service that you would like Elwood City Limits to be featured on, please let us know. So thank you very much to Tito, who suggested that we be on Google Play. Elwood City Limits is officially a Google Play podcast. And there you go, those three ways you can listen to us, and we are hoping to keep it weekly from here on. Um, we've got, we'll probably be having at least one more interruption before the summer is over, but of course we'll let you know about all of that. Coming up next week, we've got another... Oh, before we get to that, I yes. also want to remind everybody to uh, head over, uh, we are a Halifax-based podcast. Oh, yes. So it would be a huge help. Uh, you can find the link on our Facebook. I don't have the exact link memorized. But if you want to vote for us, our local newspaper has a Best of Halifax voting segment. Uh, and you can nominate Elwood City Limits as the Best Halifax Podcast. All you need to do is give them your email. I promise they are a legitimate service and they're not going to use any your your email for anything suspicious or anything like that. So head on over to our Facebook page or just look up The Coast Best of Halifax and nominate Elwood City Limits if you can. It, we really, really appreciate it. It'd be super cool to get into the paper. Absolutely. By the end of the summer, we will be a full-fledged Halifax podcast and we would love to be a part of the best of Halifax 2017. So again, as Lucas said, go to one of our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. 
Just go to our profile and uh, check it out. We have the link there. You can also go to thecoast.ca, nominate us for best podcast, please, and thank you. All right, now let's get into next week's episode. It is going to be uh, Arthur's TV Free Week, followed by Night Fright. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, I'm looking forward to TV Free Week. I've been uh, waiting to hear from that one for a little while. Okay, so this is a fun new chapter of Elwood City Limits. We're so glad to be back, and we're so glad that you guys have waited. Thank you very, very much. We're sorry we've been away for so long. We'll try to keep the interruptions as minimal as possible. Can't wait for us to work out a new schedule and a new future with the show. Lucas, once again, it is great to have you back. I miss podcasting with you. I miss you in general. I don't get to see you almost every day, but I'm glad that you're making it work here in the city. Anything else that you want to say? Aw, uh, shucks. I'll say ditto, first of all, and I'll also say absolutely bustalooey. All right, for Lucas Mancini, my name is Will Young. Thanks again for sticking with Elwood City Limits, and we'll see you next week. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, so for some reason, Audition doesn't want to record while I'm recording on Skype, but Audacity does. And for this, for this audio test, I will be performing a uh, poetic reading of the song Nuck If You Buck. Yeah, well, I'm Gat Toten Pistol Holden, N-word on your damn street, stomping, jumping, bumping, and we knock off this damn thing, throwing them boys, throwing them bows up at D's hose, excuse me. So uh, that's my little audio. Levels look good on that. And I'm going to stop the recording now.